is up welcome back to down the rabbit hole before i dive into this esoteric conversation with brick kelly i've got to tell you about one of the things i'm most excited for you know in the in the coming months i can't believe it's already november april is right around the corner and we've got the bitcoin 2022 conference so we just uh, had a speaker announcement looks like our boy matt odell and american hodl are going to be speaking this year so april 6th through 9th get your tickets now the prices keep going up and you'll get a discount if you use kaz 10 at checkout and even more of a discount if you pay in bitcoin uh, one of the things i'm super excited for that they're they're adding on this year which just outside of being surrounded by so many awesome bitcoiners like last year this year we're actually going to have a sort of music festival concert so it's a whole new day this year that they're adding it's going to be badass i'm going to be there come shake hands with me if you haven't met me before come meet me and let's have a badass time in miami together hi i'm kaz Baiko, and you're listening to down the rabbit hole your favorite bitcoin podcast What's up? Welcome to Down the Rabbit Hole. What's up, Britt Kelly? How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. How are you? Man, I'm, I had to take a moment to get out of the headspace of work, and now I have to wrap my mind around this cosmic conversation we're about to have and how existential <laughs> it's about to get. Yeah, nice. Me too. I feel that vibe for sure. So I, I'm... Excited to talk to you. We we talked at Bitblock Boom a couple months ago. And, you know, before that conversation that we had, which was not going to, this podcast is not going to do it any justice because I think just the spontaneity of when Bitcoiners get together like that and they sort of have these existential conversations about life, like there's no way to reproduce them. Certainly not when we're recording. But that conversation was it definitely changed the way I view Bitcoin in a way that it's probably been one of the most profound things I've come across in, in sort of how I view Bitcoin and the movement um, in the last of sort of my rabbit hole endeavors. And so it's not like, you know, I know everything there is to know about Bitcoin, but it's I don't really get surprised with with new things any, as much anymore. And this conversation we had definitely was like, wow, OK, that's a, I can view Bitcoin completely different after it. And so like we were both, we had talked about meeting up before and then I don't know what, I just had this urge that came over me to just get out of the conference and I start walking towards the entrance and I run into you and we both are coincidental, coincidentally, you know, having the same thoughts of getting outside and basically just getting outside. We were like, we got to get the hell out of here. And then it turned into like a three hour conversation talking about Bitcoin as fractal and truth and the soul versus the ego and astronomy and astrology and everything there is in between. Like, And so I just want to kind of recap or not even recap, like, let's just start the conversation with like showing everybody like how much you know about this shit, which not a lot of people I would say do. Um, and like the changes that we're seeing in society that are 
sort of become that are coming out of it, I would say. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. I definitely want to say um, that was an awesome conference, you know, but definitely need to take note of your intuition when you feel it. And like you said, both of us are just like feeling the vibe that we had to get out of there, randomly ran into each other. And we're like, hey, let's chat a little bit about Bitcoin. And, you know, anytime Bitcoiners get together, like you said, it's always a rabbit hole. Um, but what you're saying about some of this more esoteric or kind of like, um, you know, niche part of Bitcoin rabbit hole, which is maybe related to the more metaphysical or even just maybe even spiritual. I'm not sure where we draw the line, but um yeah, I think that with the recent events of everything that's been going down in the world, um, there's definitely been more more room in the conversation to take it to these places. I'm always trying to push the boundaries. If you, I don't know if you follow me on Twitter or anything like that, like I try my best to push the boundaries and make people think outside number go up and outside the whole Bitcoin um, traditional space for sure. Uh, but yeah, with everything that's gone down at least in the past year, uh, it's definitely made space for some of these deeper conversations now that people are getting more grounded. People are thinking more about, um, you know, possibly what their their purpose is in life or even just, you know, who decides what's real? How do you decide what's real? You know, we talk a lot about like the clown world and everything being um, kind of like revealing what might have been an illusion and in order to kind of unpack that you definitely have to ask yourself a lot of questions um i personally have been studying a lot of uh occult and astrology mythology um religious comparison all that for almost like two decades now so it's been a while um it definitely was not okay to talk about this stuff um, until probably like that, at least 10 years ago, like you could not bring this stuff up. Like people thought you were totally insane. Um, within the past 10 years, like astrology's gotten cool and popular. Um, but within the last like three or four years, especially people are starting to talk about things that are, you know, um, outside the realm of what, you know, the, the society says that is real. And I think a lot of that has to do with some of the revealings that we've seen in the past year or two. So I think it's interesting that you chose to use the word revealings. And like when we go back to the conversation around the occult and sort of signaling or foreshadowing their intentions, um, like I feel like that's definitely become way more blatant in the past two to three years, almost to the point that they want to show us like that there is hidden meaning behind things. And like the build back better meme, like no surprising, no surprise that like it's 666 when you replace the bees and just weird little things like that. And the conversation we were having before we started the podcast, like around the Travis Scott concert. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Definitely. Like, um, when you think about this unreal, un, this revealing, like you mentioned, that they sometimes will tell, they'll do like a telling of what's coming and who's they. We can talk about that later. But um, 
a lot of people also talk about how, oh, I saw this on TV. Oh, this was in the Hunger Games. Oh, this was in this movie or this book. Or and in every know- show on fucking Netflix. <laughs> yeah. I mean, personally, I don't, I actually am not tuned into any of that, but I, like, I see a lot of people commenting the coincidence of it and, if you have been paying attention for a while, you'll know that it's not really a coincidence. It's more of like a mode of operation, which the Build Back Better has been a really good example that has come to the mainstream um, of that situation, which is this kind of foreshadowing of events. And we can all admit that we all, you know, have been living through these conspiracy uh, theories that ended up being true. And so there's this kind of like, salesman tactic that is um you know i'm not i'm not a salesperson to be honest it's not my scene but i know that there's a tactic that's kind of like you have to say exactly what it is and you just kind of are nodding your head yes and then the person who's buying it starts nodding their head yes and then eventually it's like both people are like yes we're doing this right but you're kind of like you're not lying about what it is you're putting out exactly what it is And the fact that you have put out what it is and the person agrees to it, that kind of removes this inherent like blame in a way, right? It's like a salesman isn't to blame. They're not lying to you. You're accepting it. It's just the fact that they are coercing you and you're accepting it. And so this is like a common trait with like manipulators and um, other people who manipulate the fabric of reality and um, the build back better sort of mantra is a very good example of that happening. What are some more examples that you've seen recently? I personally think that a lot of pop culture things that have played out, like, um, you know, even like Brave New World and stuff, like other older books, I think potentially were more foreshadowing than coincidental. Um, I think a lot of people can agree to that, but I think that in terms of specific examples, um, it's hard to pinpoint them because a lot of the times we think that, you know, the media or the way that reality is, is so real, like it's so factual, but in reality, it's almost like we were coerced the whole time into thinking that the reality that exists is the way that it has to be. And you can think about that all the way back to like even money, the Federal Reserve. I mean, like think of how many people have no idea what the Federal Reserve is. Or they have no idea that nothing, they're like, oh, what backs Bitcoin? What backs the dollar? You know, it's like, how are we sold into those kind of systems? Well, I think this is something that this is why Bitcoiners are so in tune with what we would call like the truth and whatever there is, the version of reality is that we're living. Like we're almost operating on a completely different operating system because we've dug in, we've dug to the roots of those questions, like scratch the itch and like the matrix. Right. And like, okay, so what is money? Like, what is the federal reserve? Why is all of this bullshit? Um, and, you know, and then once you really start to like, I feel like money is one of the things that people question the least in their life. They definitely have, like they take it for granted and they operate um, completely oblivious to what it is and how it works. And once you I think one of the important things about Bitcoiners and, and 
anybody who becomes a Bitcoiner is that they have sort of dug to the root of that question and then they've said, okay, if this is bullshit, then what else could be bullshit? And then it leads you down the rabbit hole even further to like, okay, what else have they been lying to me about? Oh, all modern food, the entire pyramid you're trying to tell me, that that's a complete lie. Um, and so it, it really leads to a separation in between people that are one, can they, can they even perceive that their reality is being manipulated around them? Because a vast majority of the population that we would call like the masses, they can't. And you can't until you start to question these things. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's pretty wild when you think about the amount of potential cognitive dissonance that that's happening when these truths are even coming to the surface now and people will still reject it. Just like in the matrix, like people will reject it because it threatens the system that they are a part of or that they rely on. And I think that it's a common trait, like you said, in not only like the Bitcoin community, but even maybe like truth or communities or, um, you know, kind of like localism communities, et cetera. There's different communities that are willing to kind of cut their losses. I think when you start asking questions and you start uncovering these truths, it's like, well, this might impact, you know, the things that I've already worked for. And I might have to, maybe you might call it like backtrack or lose progress because you have to kind of pivot to a new direction, a new skill, a new personality even. And that's a big part of how this all happens with people who don't want to accept it is that we're conditioned very strongly to think about ourselves as one thing, right? Like you're an accountant, you are a soccer coach, like you're a stay at home mom, you're one thing. And they try very hard to condition us into thinking in this very single minded um, approach so that we can be really like, um, attached to that as an ideology and we won't let it go and we'll fight the system that tries to take it from us when in reality we are very multifaceted beings and we are many many things and i think that that's one kind of inherent strength of bitcoiners is we're able to look at ourselves and say okay well if my reality changes or the world that i live in changes i'll still be okay because i'm so many things other than this one thing that I was conditioned to believe and potentially, you know, like went to school for, for however long and you're in a bunch of debt and you don't feel like you can backtrack. But if you recognize yourself as a really multifaceted being, whether you're, you know, you're thinking like spiritually or family or, you know, culturally, whatever it is that makes you resonate with other parts other than just your one, um, you know, traditional, like, career self or whatever, um, you're going to have way better chance of, of surviving and being aligned with the truth, like you said, and reaping the benefits of being aligned with the truth. Yeah. So I think another part of that single identity that society tries to ascribe to everybody right now is it is also, it's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate this very well, but it's, no surprise that they use that then against you whenever the narrative doesn't work 
in, you know, their, or in, in whatever favor they want. Right. So it's like, you are only an accountant. You cannot, you can't have an opinion on science. Oh, are you a scientist? You haven't studied scientists your entire, like science your entire life. So you are no longer allowed to have an opinion if it doesn't directly come from someone who has that after their name. And so it, it traps people even more into that mindset and something that, you know, is a real world example that I've been getting a lot lately. Um, like from one more of the NPC friends that I have, like they'll say, well, first of all, they would, five years ago, they were telling me I was crazy when I was talking about Bitcoin. Now it's pretty much proven that I'm right. But they're saying, oh, if I have an opinion on anything else, it's like, Kaz, stick to Bitcoin. Like, you know, Bitcoin, stick to Bitcoin. <laughs> that phrase stick to Bitcoin bothers me so much because it's like you, you, you know, like all Bitcoiners know how many things you realistically have to study that are not just in one area that are multifaceted, like you've mentioned, like to even begin to fully comprehend Bitcoin on a level, on a level to like really understand it. Yeah, definitely. That's a, definitely a telling telling sign of understanding Bitcoin. Um, like the most obvious red flag of anyone is when they say, I know everything about Bitcoin or anything that's sort of related to that. Like you said, stick mm -hmm. with Bitcoin. Like it's definitely a, a rabbit hole for sure. I mean, Bitcoin's a whole, a whole reality if you really think about it um, in a way. Can you expand on that? I mean, if you think about like all the different aspects of Bitcoin, all the different, you know, you might think like parts of the system and different industries related to Bitcoin, whether it's, you know, mining or it's development or it's design or it's, you know, the payments layer or it's the Bitcoin as an asset. Like there's literally a never ending list of ways that you can learn about Bitcoin and get involved in Bitcoin. And so that's kind of a unique situation, right? Because like, what do you know in life that has like an almost limitless, like sort of ecosystem, you know, maybe you could think about like religion or, or maybe culture. Well, then you know, like the, those are two things that Bitcoin also has attributes of that you can study if you want to like. Bitcoin can mm -hmm. absolutely be viewed through the lens of religion. Bitcoin yeah. is going to have its own culture. Like it already does. Like don't trust verify as a culture. The type of Bitcoiners, like Bitcoiners are a culture. And then as, you know, Bitcoin starts to, you know, take control of more and more in society, like it's going to inevitably, there's going to be more, you know, artists and more, you know, musicians and philosophers and all these different type of people who come to Bitcoin with a different background and then it meshes with their worldview and they're extremely creative and produce something novel. Like, I think, you know, Bitcoiners definitely get it, but I think the Bitcoin cultural movement is totally something that's, you know, not, not understood very well. And like what it's going to do for the next like 50 to a hundred years of the type of people it's going to produce and families. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard to describe where to start. It's definitely one of those 
it's like that analogy with the elephant or whatever, where everyone puts their hand on a different part of the elephant and sees something different. And, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about, obviously, number go up and, you know, the price of Bitcoin is really like the real inflation. You know, like you can definitely see these very kind of mundane indicators of what Bitcoin really is. But if you start to think about the way that it affects your whole mindset, when you start thinking in terms of Bitcoin, instead of thinking in terms in, in terms of dollars, um, you start thinking about, you know, obviously your time being more valuable and scarce. And that's kind of like the root where you start, I think, when you start getting into the rabbit hole where it starts impacting your whole worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the way that, if you keep if you keep asking more more and more questions and you start thinking like okay well if my time is a scarce asset just like bitcoin you know what does that mean in the sense that this like the way that we think about value is related to the way that we think about ourselves where it's not just a transactional you know um like a transactional like thing that you can transfer wealth, right? Like the way that this idea impacts us as a person, as a culture, how does that happen? Um, It's kind of interesting. Like, obviously when you start to think about money in the sense of like human value, you can kind of relate that to, you know, purpose and a more kind of spiritual, um, you know, what, what is a what's value in terms of human capital um where it's not something that you just physically trade with another person you know it's it's how many first loves can you have and how many families can you start in one lifetime and how many cultures can you be a part of in one generation right like this is a totally different way to think about capital and when you start thinking about bitcoin as a scarce asset which is related to yourself as a scarce asset being your time and how that relates to you as, you know, a, a person or a being that's a part of something bigger, which we might call like humanity, I guess. Um, you start to think about things completely different. And that's why you see a lot of Bitcoiners, you know, becoming spiritual or even just questioning spirituality. But either way, like we're pushing the boundaries of, you know, what it means to exist in a society, what it means to participate in a society, what... Um, what is value in terms of human experience. And a lot of times we kind of associate value with beauty. Um, And so it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting how it kind of impacts the whole worldview. Yeah. I think what you touched on about the transactional nature of what money is like when you're sort of trapped in the fiat realm and you haven't questioned what money is yet. Like it's really just like, this way of doing something right and and it's no surprise why we see like this is probably a gross generalization but like you know a lot of the people that i know that don't they don't own any bitcoin they don't understand it they don't really own anything because they don't have any purpose in their life and they just spend all of their time wasting it on drugs or whatever it is you know wasting it you know at at the bar at the strip club or at the travis scott concert or you know sort of all of these things at the end of the day serve no purpose they're really just to like drown the drown the self to the point where like 
not only do did your life not have meaning before, but like now you're entrapped in this vicious cycle of like you're not going to find meaning in what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, this goes back to like we're saying about that whole single faceted idea of the self. Um, it's like you don't need a job; you need purpose, right? Yeah. That's kind of like the the great <laughs> trick that they pulled on us as uh, sentient beings, I guess you could say, <laughs> like having feelings and consciousness, and um, <laughs> right, like we need purpose, not not work, but work is a part of survival. But of course you'd want to, you know, turn that Venn diagram into a circle for sure. But, um, yeah, it's like you're saying about, um, there's definitely a lot of people, you know, especially young people, but also people who, um, maybe you might just call them like fringe people on the fringe. They're still living in that kind of old world where they're just kind of existing and what they think they should be doing based off of what they see in the media, what they think they should be doing from, I'm not really sure, like, like past, past times that we've just been having this very low, very, very like high time preference, like reality, which is, you know, going out on the weekends because those are your only two days off. And like, obviously, you know, doing, like you said, drinking, doing a bunch of drugs because you don't, have the ability to escape very often. So you're trying to maximize your escape as soon as you can. And it comes down to like whether or not you are trying to like turn your, your purpose, like I mentioned, instead of that having like just your work that you do, like you're a body that creates and produces and dies, um, moving away from that mindset to this this idea of no, you have purpose and your body beyond the ego, which you might call the soul wants to actualize a purpose that's bigger than potentially what you as a body is aware of. And like you mentioned the Travis Scott concert, like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people there who are definitely just existing and, um, you got to be careful because it's, it's competitive out there, right? Like life is very competitive. I try to talk about this on Twitter a lot, like as much as I can, that life is competitive, like in the animal kingdom, which as humans, we are obviously at least interconnected with, if not within, um, life is very competitive and it's about survival and you have to participate if you want to survive. You can't just exist and expect to survive, right? Like even procreation is an example of that. Yeah. I think the participate word may be a little confusing because mm -hmm. participating can just be existing. Like I think I like the opt-in word that you used before the podcast. Like you have to explicitly go out of your way um, yeah. to be a part of it rather than just like merely existing and participating in it. And, and like, I would say, and I know you would agree that like a lot of the problems, whether it was the chicken or the egg, uh, stem from this participation award trophy. And like the idea that, you know, there is no competition in society. We're all here to, you know, just sing Kumbaya and we're all equal, even though like, no, there's no such thing as being equal. Um, you know, like if we were to revert back you know, a long time ago, you know, where we were hunting like for our own survival and the fittest ones 
survived and the ones that sucked died. Like, mm-hmm. not to say that we need to live that way right now, but I do think it is an innate part of being human. Is Definitely. to compete in, in whatever the sort of um, marketplace is. It used to be a marketplace for for animals and for providing, you know, food for yourself and your family. And now it is still the same. It's just, we're not hunting bison, you know, we're writing code. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the competition has definitely moved into the information space for sure. Uh, it's definitely, I mean, it exists in the physical reality, of course, you know, we all want to be self-sufficient. We all want to participate in local, you know, food shed communities, et cetera. But in terms of like, we, you know, we talk about like information warfare. Yeah, it's definitely moved into the the information space for sure. And it's extremely competitive. And if you don't know that it's competitive, you are not like prepared to handle someone manipulating your reality. And that's okay. But like you said, um, you know, life, life is competitive. That's a natural um, sort of situation and and to make us think that that it's not um is not only not true but it actually is is like a tactic that is really interesting right like we talk about like um projections or shadow side of ourselves like as a, as a strictly like psychological um facet where if you think about like covid for example um or just any kind of like mass, mass, like hysteria like that, where it's like, okay, we don't want to recognize the evil like within ourselves, right? Like we all want to say, oh no, we're not competitive. We're all happy. We're all working together. No one is, no one is competing against each other. Like I'm not against you. We're I'm all never in this thinking, together. Yeah. We're all in this together. Like I'm never thinking about my family over your family. Um, we don't want to think like we're kind of conditioned not to think like that. And the problem with that is that we end up projecting our own um, like negative bias onto everyone else that we see. Right. So this is why you see a lot of people who are like, we're all in this together. And then it like transformed into this like division of you're hurting me by not doing something. And it's kind of like us not acknowledging the evil within ourselves or like, Evil is probably a bad word, but us not acknowledging the unhealthiness within ourselves and projecting that onto everyone else. That's like how you see all those memes with like people who are getting McDonald's and then saying that everyone else who's unhealthy is killing them. It's like we don't want to admit that this natural like um, competition or what you might call like, um, you know, even if it's like a kind of I don't want to say like warlike situation but you have like something within you that makes you want to succeed that makes you want to like have more right like a competitive nature we suppress that within ourselves to be the single community of all equal right and so then as a result we end up projecting all the things that we don't want to acknowledge within ourselves onto everyone else and this is like really really easy to manipulate people at, like from a masses perspective, if you can instill this within, you know, the masses, right? Because they're always just going to like project that shadow side onto everyone else. Yeah. And this is what like leads to the evils of communism 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, you messaged me a couple months ago and you were like, the vax is medical communism. And, you know, when we think about that and the way that sort of the inherent flaws of like people's ego is being manipulated uh, for the greater good, like it's not a far-fetched, you know, it's not far away at that point for them to say, oh, okay, well now that we're in like inflations at 6.2%, like everything else in the entire economy is just completely bogus, even by their own bullshit uh, skewed metrics that they use. Anybody looking at it, it's like, okay, this is a, like a ticking time bomb. And so it's not far away from them to say, okay, well now you need to give up all of your, you know, all of your work. And like, we need to have everybody be equal because, you know, it wasn't anybody else's fault that this happened. Um, and so when we go back to that conversation around meeting, like when you're literally working and you're doing a job that should, is should in by default be competitive in nature and you should be getting compensated for the proportional amount of work you're contributing. And it's just given away to somebody else who may not be doing anything at all. They could be producing no value at all to society. Like it breeds an entire society of people who have no purpose in their life. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's an interesting situation for sure about how we got here. Um, definitely. I think that there's a lot, if you think about it from a historical aspect, um, this people talk about like build back better or this COVID plan, whatever, like that this has been a plan that was in the works for a really long time. And I, I definitely believe that it has been in, in the works for a long time. Um, I think that has taken several generations for them to implement, like you said, this kind of, um, not medical communism, but just communism in general. It's like, uh, the way that these ideas have moved through generations, so, like they're definitely playing the long game. And I do think we should talk about who they is later. Yeah, but like, no, that's a question I have written down. <laughs> I'm not going to skip that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's like you think about who really has the lowest time preference, right? Like, oh, you might be a Bitcoiner, you know, maybe you figured out time preference. But like, think about people who are really you know, manipulating the fabric of reality. Think about their time preference. Think about the people who potentially have been close to the money printer for a long time. We could say, you know, centuries or more, you know, it's hard to say, but um, like when we talk about life being very competitive and species survival competition, um, yeah, like time preference is, the number one priority for sure. And it's good that Bitcoiners are figuring it out um, because there's definitely a long game being played for sure by a lot of players. So let's get into the specifics about the game. Like, yeah. So why exactly do you believe that this was uh, that, or it's been in motion for a long time? Let's start there. So I think it's been in motion for a very long time um and it's like wow where to start right so i i kind of think um it's good to talk about this idea of like science how we have this trust the science situation um if you think about um 
back in like if you think about like back in like the 1500s um so we'll go way back but (laughs) uh and you would have like the church being the state and everything right um we would not distinguish if you if you lived in like uh, you know like the church was the state and everything and you were in england um we wouldn't really distinguish magic like the occult and spiritualism what you might call superstition now we wouldn't really distinguish that from religion you know you would say like oh um it's raining and maybe there was like some magic that happened or like you know satoshi did something bad and he caused the rain right like we might call that superstition now but back then you would call that like religion um in general like all-encompassing right And then you have, like, the whole Protestant Reformation, which is, like, where we started to discern between what you would call good magic and bad magic, which is, like, um, Satoshi did something and it caused a hailstorm, right? That's bad magic. Um, Or Satoshi did something and it caused a rainbow. Like, you would call that, like, good magic, right? Okay, well... Before the Protestant Reformation, like, they wouldn't really distinguish, they would just kind of group it all together. But in the Protestant Reformation, it kind of started, like, discerning the two of those, right? And it sort of made this idea of um, the distinction of what we can and can't prove in a way where we started to identify, like, oh, um, it's not magic, it's, like, we proved that it's happening because of some reason. And so you started to see this idea of like science and religion having like a clash, right? Where it was not all like encompassed as one in influencing reality. We started to like kind of have a distinction of, of like if something bad happened out of it, that's like bad magic. Right. And so farther down the line out of that, um, you started to have, what happened was the people who kind of were like, oh, into this weird esoteric thing, right? Like, it's like, oh, we would, we would project evils onto kind of like people in general and say like, you're a witch, right? Like you did something and you caused something bad to happen. Like you're a witch. And if something good happened, we would call that like, whatever, not, you know, that'd be like not black magic or magic in general. And so then from that, right? We started having these, like, witch, witch hunts and all of these, like, you know, like, before, before King James wrote the King James Bible, he wrote this book called Daemonology, and he basically, it was, like, one of the original um, instances of kind of, like, misinformation sort of tactics where it's, like, something bad happened, and that's, that's how demons exist, and this is how you can spot a witch, right? And so we start, like, putting this kind of idea of, of, um, fate, whether it happens to be good or bad, like the outcome as like distinct from science, which is like, oh, this happened for this reason. And like something bad happened. We're just going to call that like black magic. Right. And so from that, you started to see all of these like very strange, um, what you might call spiritual occult, um, things that came out of that, which, some people might identify as like the Freemasons or, you know, the Rosicrucians and other types of like occult-based um underground religions. 
And from that um, is where we started to kind of see this whole like division of like religion and science splitting, um, which I won't go too far into, but I definitely think that at some point um, there were certain people who kind of recognized um, that the state isn't the church and forking off of that, they realized that there is kind of a way to manipulate or influence reality. And the people who have that information kind of benefited over people who didn't. And so this kind of like asymmetric information um, property, of course, like exists with Bitcoin, right? Like, oh, we we get Bitcoin, we're aligned with that information, we get that, so we reap the benefits, right? Well, if you were just kind of like taking orders and you were following the church, which kind of turned into like, you know, we can think of that now as like the science, right? Like you are not going to be close to that information. And so there's definitely parallels now with this whole science versus religion situation um, that's happening and a lot of what has previously happened, which is, you know, obviously like back in the day where we couldn't question the heliocentric universe, you know, we couldn't question a lot of these science discoveries because they were in conflict with what the status quo said we were supposed to believe. And so when you talk about this being like a long game, like it's a really long game for sure of how we're manipulating reality and who's deciding what everyone gets to believe. And a lot of that has to do with how we interpret, um, you know, the kind of metaphysical parts of reality or, um, you know, some sort of like spiritual or fate-based parts. But it's definitely kind of crossing into the more realistic part of our life at this point, now that we're coming into the information age, where people can run the numbers, people can question reality. reality. And so, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, it's definitely a long game for sure. I think, I think it's interesting how the science now is becoming the, the religion. It's, yeah. it's, okay, so it's actually a war against religion with a new religion called the science. Mm-hmm. And like, all of the qualities of what sort of what are inherent in most major religions are inherent in the belief in the faith in science. Like there are leaders, there are rituals, um, mm-hmm. you know, there are ways that you should act. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there are way more symbolism than that, but like, it's no surprise like that we've seen sort of COVID become like the latest secular religion over the last two years. Um, yeah, or COVID or the science, whatever one you want to call it. It's the same thing. Yeah, and, for sure. For sure. Sorry, go ahead. Do you have something? Well, that's kind of what I, yeah, that's kind of what I was saying is like, like I was saying, you know, they, they kind of demonized certain ideas, right? Like, oh, that's witchcraft. Oh, that's, you know, that's a demon, whatever. Oh, that's a conspiracy and, theory. Mm-hmm, yeah. So like back in the day, they did the same thing. And now it's the exact same thing. It's like, oh, no. You can't, you can't believe in, in natural immunity because, you know, that's going against the science that's going against, you know, who, whatever is the, it's always this leading ideology. Right. And so this is like the really, like the root cause of it. Like when we talk about, okay, like 
why are there, why is there science versus religion? Why is there information versus misinformation? Like, why is it always this like binary option, right? Like who's the one that's deciding what's true and what's false? Like, and how has that, how has that transcended through generations? You know, is it a cultural thing? Like where cultures say, oh, this is right and this is wrong. Or is there someone or people or groups or, you know, something outside of humanity that's kind of dictating that truth? Outside of humanity, what do you mean by that? Well, there's there's definitely a spectrum, I think, um, in terms of, like, when we're talking about fate, you know, like, oh, this goes back to kind of like we talked about of okay, when something happens, is it because of something that you did, right? Like we would call that like witchcraft or superstition, right? Or is everything a direct result of something that you did before in the more science-based term, right? Like COVID, for example, like did you get COVID because you're interacting with a lot of people or did you get COVID because you don't really want to participate in this life and your soul is like trying to like take you out. So this is one of the conversations that we, or one of the points that we had in our first conversation that really stuck with me. I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but you basically said that the soul's desire to be free um, will trump the ego and it will kill the ego if it has to, to be free. Yeah. Um, I think that this is definitely an a opinion that I have, um, there's definitely a lot of different beliefs about, um, the way that our subconscious exists or our ego, etc. Um, so I won't touch on every different aspect, but from my personal experience of what I've researched, I, I personally believe that your soul has a desire to evolve, right? Um, and your soul will try to actualize that intention. And like you said, the freedom that you need in life is the amount of freedom in order to actualize that intention, your soul's intention, which is beyond your ego. Um, and if you your ego blocks that, you your soul will try to essentially manifest into either another reality or another body, whatever you want to call it, in order to accomplish that. And so you see people, like we said, who they just want to do the participation trophy. They don't want to start a family. They don't want to have a meaningful career. They just want to do video games, watch porn, and do nothing, and never talk to anyone. Those people are very likely to have, you know, to encounter, like we call it getting rugged, right? Like your soul is going to get, your soul is going to rug your ego for sure soul is going to rug your ego. (laughs) (laughs) So, so do you think that the people that, I mean, would you say that everybody who is living in this reality is doing it by choice? Like, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to see like where, like, where does this end? Like you say, if you want to be here and like, Mm -hmm. so do you actually believe that, you're more likely to get COVID if you have a meaningless existence and you, and you don't find sort of purpose in your life. 
Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like, I wouldn't even say that's limited to COVID. I would say that you basically, you basically have two options in life, right? Which is like to confront the obstacles that you experience in life and to grow from it. And if you don't want to confront those in a meaningful way and, you know, overcome obstacles in the way that we might call growth or human growth, personal growth, whatever, spiritual growth. If you don't, you know, that's when you're going to just naturally start encountering the more negative aspects of life, um, which you might call bad luck, which some, you know what I mean? People will be like, oh, I have the worst luck. Like, Probably because you are avoiding the truth and you're avoiding reality and you're not actualizing what needs to happen. And you're not overcoming and you're not putting in the work to do more than, like you said, just participate. Like you need to opt in, you need to overcome, you need to grow. And if you don't, like that's when you typically find yourself experiencing bad luck. And this is kind of what I was saying before about how they started to like demonize this back in the day, right? Like, oh, something bad happened to you, just witchcraft. And so now it's like modern, right? Like, oh, you sit at home and watch porn all day and play video games. You don't have any personality. You don't have any friends and you're all sad and depressed and you just do Uber Eats every day. But you got COVID, not because you're a sad loser. Like, no, no, just because like, it's bad, like, it's bad luck. It's just bad luck. It doesn't have anything to do with like, your ability to grow as a person and your soul to evolve. Like, oh no, that's witchcraft. That's, that's whatever. This is science. We're only doing science now. And that, that would require personal responsibility. Yeah, exactly. That, that is something that's completely absent from most people's lives. Whenever you give them the out of, oh, it's not your fault. Like it was somebody else's fault for not getting vaccinated or, not wearing yep. their mask or whatever it was like you did your job even though yeah. you may not have worked out or eaten healthy in the last 10 years like yeah I, I think anecdotally it, it is kind of funny that you say that like i've been fucking begging for this thing for two years and i still can't, i can't even get it if i tried like yeah neither can i i, I literally I, I i had to have gotten it and i just have no symptoms at all but i haven't even had a freaking cold in two years Neither have I. I. I don't even remember the last time I got sick. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes get stomach bugs and stuff like that. I've, I've had yeah. food poisoning before, but a true yeah. like, illness, like yeah. flu type of uh, virus, not at all. Like I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, both of us are, you know, in our in our youth, and that's good, and we should not. <laughs> Um, you know, take that for granted for sure. We're definitely in a good position to overcome certain um, sicknesses for sure. And I get that definitely. But yeah, definitely like you said. Um, and it's interesting, like you were saying, oh, like, yeah, they weaponize with the media that it's not your fault, right? Like, so you weaponize that like projection of your sa- shadow side. Like, I'm not unhealthy. You're unhealthy. Like, you need to get on backs, right? Um And so it's really, really interesting that this Travis Scott situation happened with this whole, like, potentially demonic um, ceremony, if you want to call it that. But it's definitely an interesting situation where um, I think that people, like, woke up from it. A lot of young people woke up and they were like, wait a minute. Um, 
maybe it is weird that people just like die and maybe it is weird that I'm just at this weird like not even good music I mean they were saying like oh it's a demonic frequency whatever like maybe people are just realizing that what the media says is cool like isn't cool and it isn't healthy and you know I think it's sad that we had to figure it out with a bunch of people dying but I definitely am interested in the idea that like demonizing certain things are coming to the surface because to think that good and evil is not at like war right now is kind of a um you know it's kind of always ongoing in a way I would say um, it's good to recognize it when you see it in life and to hit mainstream I think is definitely like pretty wild yeah so I, I haven't looked too much into like the conspiracies around the Travis Scott concert um, yeah. But didn't they, like, they required proof of vaccination to get in? Probably. I don't know. So I, part of why I wonder, like, was it really like a demonic ceremony? Or was this, like, uh, you know, myocarditis mixed with, you know, oh, acid, yeah. I, acid and a bunch of other drugs that raise your heart rate? And then you throw the sort of... It was demonic, like it was a demonic ceremony for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, the the whole stage setup, everything about it was like straight out of like, yeah, hell. But it was perfect storm for sure. I do agree with the heart situation, definitely. Um, but I do think overall, it is like it is foreshadowing something. Like there is meaning in it, whether it was directly, you know, meant to be a demonic ceremony or not. Like there's definitely like some symbols that we can take out of this from like what it means kind of potentially going forward. And we go back to like the, the asymmetry of information and like they, the people who mm -hmm. like, who have, you know, the asymmetric information of, you know, sucking the tit of the monetary spigot. Like they've that they have bloodlines that they've like controlled history through for hundreds of years. So like they've definitely figured out how to change and manipulate reality around the masses. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, there's a like there's definitely a lot of conspiracy theories about that certain event for sure. But like you said, it is very foreshadowing of of the idea like. Like, if you ever read Dante's Inferno, you know, like, literally hypnotizing people up into higher realms of hell, right? Like, that's kind of what that was about. Um, and I won't go into that too much. But, like, in terms of manipulating reality for generations, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting when you think about it. Like I said, this battle of good and evil, um, which is obviously... A, a long, a long battle that you can find in a ton of, you know, um, literature and, and mythology, this battle of good and evil. And if you look into it, it's like, okay, well, what really wins in the end of that? And it's like, well, it's kind of ends up being like, whoever has the better, and it's weird because, you know, like we don't want to call it magic, right? Because as a science-based community, we don't, or society, we don't really go into that, right? Like we've kind of demonized this idea of magic, but in reality, this battle of good and evil comes down to, like, who has the stronger, maybe you call it powers, and maybe in our science-based community, we could call it, like, 
willpower. Who has the stronger willpower will will be the one that ultimately wins. And I think that if you go way back and you think about, okay, well, who's really, like you said, close to the monetary spigot? Like, like that's definitely true um, in terms of like financial capability. And as the, as fiat collapses, right? Like the cost of everything is going to start getting more apparent, more and more apparent, right? That's why you saw like mainstream media has been rugged, like mainstream media is dead. Hollywood's dead. Like if you're still into Hollywood, whatever, it's dead though. Like, um, the cost of all these things, the cost of the fiat world is going to become more and more apparent as time goes on. It's like, look at, look at this VR situation, with Facebook or whatever. It's like, you think that like these mainstream news anchors are going to be around? No, like they're going to be, that's all too expensive on the Bitcoin standard. Um, you know, they can make virtual reality and they can try to manipulate reality with the virtual reality. Like they can afford that for now, but at some point, like someone has to pay the bill because Bitcoin's a better, you know, it's, it's the better currency. And so eventually like everything will have to be priced in to that. And so all these old fiat systems are going to definitely be more and more expensive to keep these lies going. And that's why you see the clown world. People say like, Oh, the matrix is breaking or whatever. Like it's because everything's too expensive. And they talk about, Oh yeah, inflation's not real. Like it's definitely real. And the cost of everything, the real cost of everything is going to be apparent. And I think that back to what I'm saying about this, like good versus evil, whatever, it ends up being like, like I said, whoever has the strongest willpower, whoever has the strongest, maybe you want to call it magic. Like, obviously, Bitcoin is, you know, stronger, maybe you want to call it magic or, or whatever. In reality, what we should really call it is, you know, if, if you've been in Bitcoin for, for a while and you were you know, into the more like truther stuff that really started it like way before COVID, you know, like mm-hmm. um, there was this idea of like Bitcoin being information creation, right? Like um, bit means information in the binary sense, one of zero, one or zero and um, coin is like to create. So Bitcoin is information creation, right? And so this idea of who has like the stronger magic i'm calling it magic so we can like think about this from outside of the monetary system because bitcoin's very multifaceted right um or this good versus evil it really comes down to who has the strongest willpower the strongest tool whatever and obviously like that's bitcoin for sure um but it really comes down to this information right like the root and the they like we want to talk about the they is really whoever controls this information creation. And so that's really the battle like we all talk about. It's an it's an information warfare. So when you think about like, oh, Bitcoin versus a dollar, it's like that like that in it of itself is almost high time preference. Like it's an information battle that Bitcoin is going to win. And when you attach the meaning that Bitcoin provides once you understand it, like there's there's no question the willpower like and the magic that we have on our side like the people who truly start to get bitcoin like it consumes their entire life they like they would lay down and die for bitcoin 
I don't see very many people lay down. They're like, they're laying down and dying, but they're, that's, sorry, that's the only <laughs> fucked up joke I can laugh about. But like, <laughs> too soon. Too, too soon. soon. Like, uh, but they're not doing it for to you know, dollar dollar power and like for the u.s you know global superpower of the dollar regime to remain that's not why they're dying (laughs) yeah yeah and and i think that's one of the biggest things i've kind of like come around to in terms of like this whole situation that's gone down it's like medical tyranny and division and you know authoritarianism or whatever communism like i think aside from all of that on a very low level it really comes down to, like I was saying before, whether you want to be here or not. And I think that if you want to be here, you want to do more than just participate. Like you said, you want to produce, you want to contribute to proof of work. You want to contribute to the, you know, whatever, if it's on the soul level, your soul's in, intention to create something or whether it's on the community level to like make something that outlasts yourself. Um, I think that that is the key to survival. It's the key to success. And it's also a very common trait amongst people who are successful and who are aligned with um, this new information system that is definitely emerging that a lot of Bitcoiners are a part of. That was a great, that was a great quote, Britt. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think that the whole information thing is definitely like underrated, but that will come with time. I think for us to be able to investigate that, like, you know, obviously everything's a rabbit hole, but, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of information systems. If anyone else out there is Claude Shannon, obviously father of information, um, theory and systems, like definitely research him for sure. But if you think about like this chicken and egg situation of like, okay, which comes first, um, like thought or words. Okay. Like which comes first thought or language? It's kind of a chicken and egg, but if you really think about it, it's like, okay, well, when a baby is born, they can't talk. Right. But they still communicate in a way, or they perceive their reality through thoughts, obviously, like they're communicating with crying and stuff like, um, so obviously thought kind of comes before words uh if you want to think about it like that from that example and that's like you know traditional human evolution psychology research from carl Jung is like the way that we communicate first is going to be subconsciously and so in order to um have a stream of consciousness you have to think about like pattern recognition which is really just language. Um, Language is a kind of a form of pattern recognition. And it's very similar to Bitcoin in the sense that like, it's a pattern recognition that kind of breeds this new form of consciousness, which we might say, oh, the pattern recognition is time preference. Oh, the pattern recognition is, you know, thinking about time in, in blocks or thinking about money in Satoshis. Like it's a new form of consciousness for sure. And if you think about it, like, back in the day, um, you know, like, when peasants moved to the city, right, like, in the, you know, industrial revolution, you had a bunch of people, like, move to the city and stuff. Um, 
that caused like an entire change in consciousness because of the way that people related to each other, right? Like a ton of people moving to the city because there's factories and there's a printing press and all this stuff, right? Like they now relate to each other in a completely different way because the means to do so has like forced them um, to make this conscious change, right? Like they're their con their subconscious level of the way that they related to their neighbor or to their family um, is no longer like my farm and your farm. It's like we all live in this big ass apartment or whatever, right? Like we all go to this factory every day. Um, the way that they relate to each other had to change. So consciousness, as a result of this pattern recognition, had to change, right? Like because our unconscious is like how we relate to each other without you know like talking to each other. And so you see this again, and this is why I was kind of making those parallels to this, like, 1500s, right, where the religious stuff was going down, is now we have what you might call another technological revolution, which is I have meetings all day long where I get up at 8 in the morning and I'm like, good morning, and I'm like, oh, crap, it's your night. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like you're talking to someone, you're like, you just woke up 10 minutes ago and it's their nighttime. And you're like, oh, what? Like the way that I relate to that person who it's their nighttime and it's my morning. Like I have to change my subconscious relation to that person. And as a result, it forms like this new consciousness as a result of this pattern recognition of like, I can talk to people who are in a completely different time zone, in a completely different reality and so our like evolution of consciousness has to change because of this technological revolution that's happening and i think that the whole bitcoin ecosystem is a good case study of how that's kind of unfolding obviously it's like very niche right now um but i think that this idea of the way that we relate to each other which you know Maybe it's just the Twitter space or it's the online community or it's like, like I said, the different time zone thing and everyone's a digital nomad, whatever. But we're recognizing those patterns. We're recognizing those. And as a result, it causes this change in consciousness. And that's kind of like happening, I think, for people who are closely aligned with this, this information. And it's happening very slowly for people who are not aligned, right? Because this whole system is um, distributed asymmetrically amongst community who have access to this technology. Yeah. And this goes back to like, you know, how consciousness shapes the worldview and how you, you know, you inherit the traits of like sort of the system that you expose yourself to. And this is like the synchronicity of Bitcoin as a system and the synchronicity of Bitcoiners as well. Like I've had that same recollection of like having a conversation with somebody that I know is on the other side of the world and sort of having to, you know, try to come into grips with like, how are they viewing the world? Like it gives you a global lens to, um, you know, look through a new reality. Um, and then when you're, bringing that back to not just something that's a monetary unit. It's also also like a, 
a unit of measuring time now, which is a total new reality in and of itself. Is like, oh, we can now ref- reference time in a new way and money in a new way um, and energy in a new way. And we can connect over a, a medium that I've never even met you in real life. Um, and yet every single day, I feel extremely close to the Bitcoin you know, community, the Bitcoin signal, like whatever you want to call it, because we're always in tune like through social media and what we're talking about and, you know, what are, what are we mad at today? You know, whatever it is, like we're all usually on the same page if you opt into that system. Yeah, it's definitely wild. Like people want to maybe call it an echo chamber. Maybe people want to call it a hive mind, like the hive mind's not new, you know, the, the collective unconscious and the collective conscious, if you believe in those things, you know, those aren't new theories by any means. And um, I definitely think that as we move into a new kind of consciousness that has to happen out of the way that we relate to each other is changing due to technology, I definitely think that we are going to be able to relate to each other much more easily at a minimum, like at a minimum of what's possible or what's going to happen. I think that we are going to be more in tune with each other, right? Like that, that truth, like truth is just information. Light is information. And if you think about how fast light travels, you think about like, you know, how fast something can spread on social media, like it's over, you know, the the days of fighting misinformation are, you know, I mean, like we talked about before, it's, it comes down to like, who has the, the most willpower, who has the best signal, like that will always win. Um, just as it always has with money and, you know, what, what's a, a proper currency, whatever, you know, what's the best store of value. Similarly, you know, what's the best information system? Like these are all things that um, just like life are naturally competitive. And it's kind of like <clears throat> what you said in the intro, we talked about this as like the universe. You mentioned, I was saying that the universe is this unfolding fractal. Um, and there's a lot to be said on that, but you start to notice, like you said, with the synchronicities, all of these things which seem unrelated or not connected, they all almost have like a self-replicating property to them, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, good versus evil. What is, you know, fiat versus Bitcoin? Like, you know, it all comes down to like, like you said, survival and not survival, the atomic family and not atomic family and, you know, high time, high time preference versus low time preference. And then it's like back to this idea of like a binary state, which of course, like non-binary is a thing, right? Like, no, we're non-binary gender. Like, you know, it's all interesting of how it's like self-replicating of the same idea over and over, which is like I said, information creation, which is just like Bitcoin. And so you can really think about like, I think about the Genesis block as like literally, you know, like actual Genesis of like this new um, Rubicon that we've crossed into the way that we'll relate to each other and the way that like we can recognize patterns. And now we have the kind of like framework to refer to them. We'll say like, oh, it's time preference. Oh, it's, you know, like fiat or, you know, whatever, like we're moving into this higher consciousness. And then Bitcoin is giving us a framework 
to be able to analyze that, but I think it's kind of happening in other ways in a similar, like, synchronous fashion. Yeah, and this is, like, this is where you get in the conversation of, like, is Bitcoin divine? And, like, what is divine? What is God? And when I think about these, like, these topics, like, you know, I think in a way that we're we're all God, like we're all manifesting God and aligning yourself with the truth would be like when we say like the truth, which is a very difficult thing to define, like in this existential way that we've laid it out to be. But like, let's say the truth is like what real reality is, regardless of the human interpretation of it. So things are going to unfold and they're going to just unfold for whatever reason. And like whether we as humans look at it and be like, that's right versus wrong or like whatever, you know, they just are things are, there's just things that just are. And I think Bitcoin is one of those things that just is. Um, and if you, like, I think it's interesting you mentioned that Genesis block as Genesis in this new realm of information creation and like, how does that align with um, cycles that are out of our control? Like, I, I th- really think it's interesting that we're, you know, this Pluto cycle is coming and it looks like it's lining up right at the time of like hyper Bitcoinization. And that does not seem coincidental at all. Yeah, I mean, this is... Um sort of an idea that floats around in certain parts of Bitcoin Twitter, uh, if you are really listening and paying attention. Um, this idea, like you mentioned, of the of the cycles bigger than yourself. So there's different ways that we talk about what you might just call a calendar, right? Like um, you could call it um, astrology, right? Like, oh, I'm an astrologer. I study planets, like in the cycles, and I associate them with human qualities, right? Like, that's a whole different, like, area. But just the idea of measuring from a point of time as a reference point, the, the cycle of the Earth in a rotational sense, or the cycle of a different planet with respect to Earth from a rotational sense, you know, these are really just what we would call a calendar, the way that we measure time um, with, like, a reference point from a frame of reference. Um, and so you see people talking about like the Pluto cycle or you hear them saying, um, you know, other, other certain cycles. Um, what's the other one? The 80 year cycle, the fourth turning, yeah, the turning cycles. Yeah. Turning cycles, whatever. Like it's all the same. They're really just, they're just measure, ways that we measure time. Um, and so you can say like, Oh, this, that's which, and it goes back to what I was saying again. It's like, Oh no, that's witchcraft. We're not allowed to think like that. It's like, okay, let's like rewind and just like take away the stigma when what we're really talking about is really just like a time, a, like a period of time. Like I could call it whatever. I could call it like my my favorite cycle of time, you know, or I could call it whatever, the turning cycle or something, you know. It's like we're saying 80 years. And obviously like this is, you know, Gregorian calendar, the Julian calendar. There's been tons of other calendars, like even before that, you know, like – you know, Russian people have 
traditional calendars and all kinds of different calendars that people have used, you know, Mayan calendar, et cetera. So when we talk about the importance of, you know, time preference and we're suppressing this idea of like alternative calendars, that should be like a red flag for sure. Um, But regardless, that subject aside, if we just talk about like time cycles, um, I know like the turn, the turning cycles, 80 years, um, that coincidentally is the amount of time that it takes um, for the planet uh, Uranus to go around, make a full rotation from the Earth's perspective. And then uh, the Pluto cycle is 250 years um, from the Earth's perspective. And so really like whatever, I'll call it Pluto. You can call it 250 years. We can, you know, turning 80 years, whatever, like it doesn't really matter. We could do Mercury. It's 33 days, whatever you want to say. Um, but this pattern of cycles with respect to like historical aspects, um, if, if you're not familiar, you know, this is a common, commonly known one in the more esoteric spaces, but the Pluto cycle being 250 years, um, has returned like kind of this year and last year to the place that it was during the, um, American revolution, and then 250 years before that, it was um, Columbus discovers the new world in quotations. Um, and so you can kind of start to make some associations with these cycles. Obviously, if you're very science based, you don't want to say that they are causing them because that wouldn't be allowed. Right. Like that's definitely wrong thing. But if you were to make some kind of inferences of pattern recognition, which, as I mentioned, is kind of the precursor for consciousness. And so if you're making pattern, pattern, if you're doing pattern recognition, you can kind of see that, um, you know, whenever this cycle has a, um, you know, reoccurrence at this point, there's obviously like something that goes down and, um, We'll have to do another another podcast on like how to be able to <laughs> know exactly what's going to go down from from studying these cycles. But yeah, the bigger the bigger picture is that that two hundred and fifty year cycle and even even the eighty year cycle is is more of a soul um, time timetable. And so when you think about like oh how these ideas move through generations, right? Like you're thinking about these bigger timetables and that's why they kind of have been playing the long game because they know like oh 250 years like we need to make a move because like all these people who are manipulating the fabric of reality close to the money printer i will tell you right now they are excellent at the occult excellent. Oh, yeah. i mean don't worry don't worry i'm better and i got bitcoiners back for sure like i'm <laughs> on team bitcoin and like i know all their moves but they are excellent at studying this and um it's not a coincidence that they're effective. Well, so there's two points I want to make. One, yeah. I, I love how you use the word new, new world to describe Columbus, which was then again, the American revolution, the new world superpower. And now we have new world order. New world order. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so that was one. And then the second one was around, you know, this really shouldn't be too profound of a concept, but it is interesting when you get like deep down in these conversations, like how they can take on a new meaning. And like, it's no surprise that their ability to manipulate reality is um, directly tied to their ability to manipulate and control time, which is controlled by their ability to manipulate money. 
because money exactly. is time and that influences your worldview and your reality. And exactly. I like, it's, it's interesting that I hate to think of these people as low time preference, like they're fucking cockroaches, but they're incredibly low time preference though. By nature, that's the, the path to survival. Right. And so the issue that they're encountering is that the path that they've chosen requires too much work, right? They're going down the path of manipulation and control, which is too expensive. It's, it costs too much to fight the system than it does to participate in the system, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, when you are like a compulsive liar and you have to like remember all of your lies, yeah. like, oh, I said this yeah. and I said that. Like, I think everybody, at least hopefully everybody, like at some point when they were like a young person, they had that like fork in the road of like, hey, if I don't tell the truth, it's like way more work, yeah, <laughs> you know? For sure. Um, for sure. Like, hopefully we've all like had that fork in the road, but. And we chose like the path of being truthful because it's like easier and like you don't have to do as much and you have to remember as much. It's like literally less, it's like more efficient just to like align with the truth and just say what like actually happened. <laughs> and so I think that they are like putting in a lot of effort to try to control and manipulate and it's just becoming too expensive at the end of the fiat world. Like in Bitcoin, in the Bitcoin world, like the true cost of everything reveals itself. Well, it's becoming more expensive and then they're also getting thrown curveballs like because they're just battling against sheer human ingenuity. Like I don't think the occult was prepared for like the internet. I do not think that the globalists were prepared for Bitcoin. Like I just think that, you know, humans have a way of like you would say, uh, you know, the soul actualizing and reaching its full potential, I would say, like, manifesting sort of like God through their soul. Um, and that is what, like, has driven human ingenuity. And that is, like, why we were so, you know, superior as a species. And, like, they're battling against the grain. Like, they're 100%. always going to be in an inferior position. A hundred percent. Yeah. They're literally at that fork, fork in the road that we talked about, like, when you were a small child. And you were like, should I lie or should I tell the truth? And then, like, you realize it's easier to just tell the truth and you just, like, do that for forever. Um, but I do want to make this distinction. Like, I, I tweeted about this back a while back about how I was like, um, nobody actually, like, controls the world. So, like, when we talk about, um, like, manipulating reality, whatever, um, like, whoever understands the way that the world actually works is going to inherently have to be closely aligned with the truth. Right. And we can, we don't need to talk about how that truth, where that truth emanates from. If you want to call it like light or God or artificial intelligence or a collective unconsciousness, whatever, um, aside from what creates that truth, whoever can align the most with that truth is going to have the best advantage, right? And this is the whole idea of insider trading and, um, you know, like being close to the source of information, you're going to have the best advantage to um, 
make decisions because you're aligned the most closely with what's actually happening. And so the closer you are with the truth of what's really happening, the better off you're going to be, the better, the more you're going to reap the benefits of that information unfolding because you'll be aligned with it. And you could think about that as like a, uh, like a culture, like a, like if you think about like different cultures, right? It's like, okay, well, if one culture has all this technology and you're a part of that culture, you're going to like blossom and unfold, right? If you're like in some other culture who doesn't have access to whatever resources, whatever, it's going to be like harder for you and you're not going to be as successful naturally as easily. You have to work more for it. And so I don't think that even even the people who are close to the money printers, like whatever you want to talk about, like Rothschilds and New World Order and whoever, Build Back Better people, like they're not, they, they just understand these cycles. They understand like, okay, this is what's coming. This is the like the stage that's set. And if we put these characters on display of the stage that's set, everyone's going to believe it because that's going to be like the vibe. Right. And so this is definitely a, a, a follow up podcast about how to like manipulate reality based off of like the cycles that are happening. Like we talked about this Pluto cycle and and you can think about that with like the American Revolution, whatever. It's like maybe they weren't interested in these cycles and, and whatever, but it just happened to be that they stood up for themselves or they stood up to tyranny, whatever. But if you are like paying attention and you understand, OK, mythology and um, you know, the history of religion, and you kind of start to recognize these patterns that happen, which are really just like replicas of the bigger picture that are have been unfolding and even bigger patterns. The, the better you are at recognizing those patterns, which, like I said, is the kind of precursor to consciousness, right? You're going to have a very good form of consciousness is going to be very effective for you. And that's just like, you know, we talk about like, 4d chess 5d chess whatever you want to talk about like having that bigger picture and seeing the reality of what's really happening outside of yourself outside of your culture whatever it is like how do you see the future that's something i think like is um what you might call secret knowledge or or like maybe related to the occult or whatever but they're not creating that those patterns you know, mm-hmm. you might say they're formed from God or they're formed from AI or they're formed from who knows, like what anyone believes as like a source. Like I'm not even hung up on that at all. But like being able to understand the natural patterns that happen and aligning yourself with that is going to set you up for success. And the people who are able to do that already are the ones who have been successful. And now you're starting to see Bitcoiners who are able to also relate to these patterns that are happening. Like, oh, there's a pattern of something happening and I'm able to like absorb that into my consciousness. And now I'm the successful one. What, you know, this is definitely, you know, probably getting to the end here, but you know, I, I always, sometimes I think I have an answer for these things and I feel like I even tried to answer this question at the beginning of the podcast, but like, why is it that you think that Bitcoiners have like, this ability to recognize patterns and we coincidentally all come to the same conclusions individually. Like this is what bothers me so much about like the echo chamber that people say it is. And it's like, no, we actually all arrived here independently. We just are in consensus in what we believe, which is fundamentally different than like taking the consensus as fact 
and not thinking for yourself from an individual first principles perspective first. Yeah, I think it comes down to listening to the things that aren't spoken, which is, um, like I said, kind of prior to pattern recognition, which is like, you know, consciousness, like a baby who's really existing in this more, um, like a, what you might call a psychic realm, right? Like a baby's like, I feel terror or like, you know, it's like small children don't like people with masks and stuff. You know, it's like they, they like feel like they feel emotions. They feel energy. That's like clairvoyance isn't a skill. Like someone has that. It's like every person feels the vibe. Like it's if an someone awareness a, and it's yeah. your ability to acknowledge it or ignore it. Yeah, exactly. So we all have that. And you might call that whatever, the collective unconscious or something, right? Like we all have this ability to communicate non-verbally. And whether that came from like a lizard brain or, you know, maybe it's because we're like have the God gene or whatever, like third eyes, not, you know, crystallized, like whatever it comes from, like we can all communicate non-verbally. That's not, they don't want you to think that you can, but we can, um, And so the people who kind of act on their intuitions are going to be acting on what their subconscious is telling them is necessary for survival. And us as a species has a kind of like collective, you know, goal to survive that maybe we're not all in tune with, but it just exists naturally because, um, I mean, Yeah, I don't want to say, like, what's good for you is good for everyone. Like, that's not true. But, you know, we all do have a kind of ability to recognize a disturbance in the force of the unspoken. And I think that Bitcoiners are willing to listen to that because of what we talked about in the beginning. Like, you don't, you aren't that multi, you're that multifaceted person who will survive if one of your personalities is shut off or rejected or denied. If you are a single, if you are in the program and you are one thing, if something threatens that one thing, you are a banker and someone threatens you being a banker, like you're going to fight that. And so then you are going to put energy into fighting the truth. And so then you are not going to be aligned with the truth. You're going to distance yourself from the information that's actually happening and you're not going to be successful because you're not going to reap the benefits of the network effect of the people who are participating alongside the information. It's funny that Bitcoin is architected to eliminate single points of failure and Bitcoiners architect their personalities around the same thing once they get it or, or they already believe that and that's sort of how they found their way to Bitcoin. But regardless of the chicken or the egg thing, it is funny. Um, yeah. We got to run the numbers. Run the numbers should be rebranded to trust your intuition or something like trust your, I don't know, trust your instincts, run the numbers. We should That's extend like it. completely the antithesis though. Is it's it? About don't, don't trust verify, run the numbers. And- oh yeah. But ver- <laughs> it's like verify with your, like your, like, I don't know, verify your with own what's- node. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think you get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I hope that I hope that people out there got this message without <laughs> getting too pulled down into the the um, mystery of it all. Because 
you know, Bitcoin is really about pushing, pushing the boundaries of your consciousness and pushing the boundaries of what you think about reality. And I think there's a lot of people in the space who are, are kind of in that realm of pushing those boundaries. And I just think that it's good to keep your mind open. And it's very obvious that keeping an open mind has benefits. If you're open to Bitcoin, you can see that is true. Absolutely. That's why I enjoy having these conversations with you, Britt. And we're definitely going to have to do a subsequent one down the line, uh, maybe in a few months or something like, (laughs) and see like what the updates will be like, and maybe get like even deeper because I feel like I could definitely sense it in you. Uh, you were trying not to leave the Overton window too far. Like, yeah. If you, if, because this is pretty fringe, even for a lot of Bitcoiners, they're going to be like, whoa, yeah. okay, they're saying a cult. They're like, you know, they're talking about, you know, whatever it is, um, dark magic fucking powers. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's so funny too, because like, it's the same exact arguments about Bitcoin. People are like, oh, Bitcoin's not real and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well, you don't have to believe it for it to be real. And then <laughs> it's like everything that you would say about Bitcoin is the same for like, you know, spirituality and magic and subconscious psychology. It's like, it's all the same. It's all like, okay, well, you like, you know, metaphysical stuff doesn't need you either. <laughs> so it's like yeah. Bitcoin. It's definitely like it's the the hardcore truther bitcoiners like um like I've I've definitely been feeling there's a lot of like and it happens like with every bull market like there's just like posers and yeah there's, there's even posers like before kind of the bull market like people I feel like that they you know they stumbled across bitcoin maximalism and they like they didn't really like you know, go through the actual process of becoming a maximalist. Like, and so it's no surprise that those people who, who I look at and I'm like, yeah, you're kind of a poser. They're also the most closed minded fucking Bitcoiners. Like if you're closed minded as a Bitcoiner, how are you even a Bitcoiner? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I wouldn't call it closed minded as much as, um, if you really want to be successful, like you need to go towards the rare parts of yourself. I think there's a lot of people who like to kind of mimic or um, they don't want to go towards their uniqueness. But if you really want to be successful in Bitcoin or anywhere, like, I mean, look at you, like you want to do your own podcast, like do your own podcast, like listen to me, I'm doing my own weird research in this weird areas, like go towards what makes you rare. And this mm-hmm. is not new. This is a very old concept that we should talk about on the next episode. Um, the rareness of who you are is how you become successful. If you really do want to practice um, the things that we talk about where it's like they manipulate reality. If you want to manipulate your own reality, go towards what makes you rare in yourself and you will be successful. Because no one else, no one else will do it. You'll be totally unrivaled. Yeah. And if you, it's, you have countless examples of, you know, just Bitcoiners that like, they come in with this one weird thing, like Brandon Quidham is the mushroom guy because he oh, knew yeah. everything there was about mushrooms and fungi. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's these nuances and that that's what like gives people personality and, and like quality of life and meaning. And yep. like, 
the we can you know we can end it pretty soon but like this is everything that society wants you to not be is yourself they want you to give in to the idea that you're just like everybody else and none of your fucking lives matter and you need to just trust what some stupid motherfucker in a suit tells you on tv (laughs) from a box that you've never even met before and it's like you need to know you need to lean into who you are and trust what you feel and question your own beliefs and your own reality and that's the only way you're gonna like break the way that like that's how you exit the matrix yeah definitely and if you don't know who you are i also recommend you know looking into history of your lineage, you know, don't go get a 23andMe test, but like look into your culture's history, look into the region's history, you know, obviously use DuckDuckGo, don't use Google, like, (laughs) you know, like really dig in and figure out who you are because you will be successful when you can figure that out and embody those traditional aspects of who you are and where you came from and what your family tried to instill in you. Because I can tell you right now that the success that they've had in breaking down the atomic family is something that you should try to resist for sure. Um, if you want to carry on and obviously I want everyone to carry on. I completely agree with you, Britt. This was a phenomenal conversation. I always enjoy like, we're always cosmic every time we've, I think every conversation we've ever had has been pretty, pretty cosmic. So. 100%. Yeah. We'll have to do a follow up of like, or you have to put a warning on this episode of like, <laughs> truth, like deep truthers only. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the, what the feedback is going to be. Normie is not allowed. <laughs> Normie's not Thanks allowed. Thanks for having me. I really of appreciate course. it. This is fun. It's always fun. Thanks, Britt. Catch you later.